After a putrid week one loss to the Bills, the Jets will come home to MetLife Sunday to try and get their first win. Do the Jets stand a chance against the defending champion 49ers? Kaz and I will break down the game and make our predictions. Kaz also tells us what he saw from the Jets at practice this week, the concerning injuries, and we react to Christopher Johnson's comments about Adam Gase and the team. Kaz and I also chat with seven-time Pro Bowl center for gangrene who has a beard of Zeus, the great Nick Mangold. All that and more next on Gangs All Here from the New York Post. You play to win the game. Welcome back, everybody, to Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Yes, we are back. We've made it to week two. Subscribe to Gangs All Here wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google. And if you do use Apple Podcasts, please give us that five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Comment on our bald heads. Comment on the analysis. Comment on causes wonderful writing whatever it may be follow us on twitter at jake brown radio and at brian cause read all causes coverage in the post in the newspaper and at nypost.com jets former all pro center the seven-time pro bowler nick mangold is going to join us in the second half of the show we'll also have sam's fantasy your start sits for your fantasy leagues with samantha praviti from the post and i'll give you my best bets they've struggled so far this season as early in the year it is difficult to bet on games but we'll have brown's best bets later on in the show but first cause the jets are looking to get in the win column this week You'll actually be playing running back. You'll be fourth on the depth chart this week for them as Le'Veon Bell is on IR, Blake Cashman is on IR, Denzel Mims, who you were hoping to maybe see this week or next week, is also on IR. And it is the battle of the beleaguered, the battle of the wounded, cause because the 49ers also dealing with a lot of injuries. So there's going to be a lot of names on Sunday at MetLife in what is the quote-unquote home opener for the Jets in front of no fans. It's going to be a lot of guys you never heard of on Sunday. Yeah, I think the Jets are happy there's going to be no fans on Sunday because <laughs> they'd probably be hearing it from their fans uh, if there were fans in the stadium on Sunday and uh, particularly Adam Gates would be hearing it, I think. So it might be good for the Jets not to have that. But you, you mentioned the injuries, Jake. I think, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about what would this year, what would COVID affect this year, like, you know, with a shorter training camp and no preseason, I think you're seeing it with a lot of these soft tissue injuries. I just think guys maybe aren't quite as ready physically to play football as in most years. Um, you know, the 49ers have injuries at receiver. They have uh, Richard Sherman just went on IR. George Kittle was dealing with a knee injury. And obviously you mentioned all the Jets injuries. I think this is going to be something you see across the league, um, especially early in the season. And we'll make our predictions for that game and break it down in just a little bit. But let's start with some comments by Jets CEO Christopher Johnson, Kaz. Let's, you know, you guys talk to him on Wednesday. You talked to the media. Now the practice, you guys don't get to see a lot. You kind of see the stretching. You see who's out there. You see a little special teams. But you do talk to some of the guys. You talk to the coach. And Christopher Johnson did speak. And he said, I have full confidence in Adam. I've seen him interact with the team. I've seen him lead this team. Look back to last year. He took a team that did so poorly in the first half of the season, held them together. They finished well. I think that he has a lot more in him as a head coach than some of our fans are giving him credit for. I understand they want to see success. I think that they will. He also said this, and he used an adjective that I don't know if I've ever heard with Adam Gase in a realistic fashion. He said, I think he can work with and develop quarterbacks. I do continue to think that he is a brilliant offensive 
presence of mind, especially. He has my every confidence. Let's start with those comments, Kaz. What'd you think with what Christopher Johnson said? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was what I expected. You know, I mean, he's going to back Adam. And I, and I do think Adam has the full support of people inside the Jets. Uh, you know, I know he doesn't have the full support of people outside the Jets, but he's still, you know, they believe in him uh, inside the organization. And I don't know if I've ever had a vote of confidence for a coach in week two of a season. That was interesting. Uh, people are going to cling to the brilliant line. I mean, I think, you know, he got a little carried away there. Probably shouldn't say that publicly after Gase's offense was number 32 last year and looked like looked terrible on Sunday, but it's what Christopher believes. So, uh, you know, he said it, but I think, you know, everyone's going to throw that back in his face when his offense struggles. You know, to me, Jake, we talked about it after the game on Sunday. You can kill Gase all you want. There's no players on this team. You know, I mean, the, the offense, the offensive talent is just terrible. I think, I don't think Sam Darnold looks, looks that good. I, uh, I'm wondering about him and that's going to be on Gase. You know, he was brought here to bring Sam along. And if Sam doesn't improve, that's what's going to get Gase kicked out of town more than anything. So, you know, to me, uh, I understand where Christopher's coming from. You know, I think when you talk to Adam Gase and you talk offense with him, it's like a, it's a graduate level class. Like you, you're not, he, he understands offense at a level that I don't understand. And, and I'm sure Christopher doesn't understand. So that's what you think he's talking about. Uh, obviously though, the results haven't been there. So saying he's brilliant uh, does not look good right now. And I'm sure infuriates Jets fans. Yeah. It infuriates me because that, that game Sunday, you had to close your eyes and you know, he said about Darnold, I have so much confidence in Sam. He's the best player I know at turning the page, the absolute best. The sample size is not too big to say that, but I think he'll turn the page on this last game, and I think we'll see an extraordinary Sam. So he's really throwing out adjectives like no other uh, for a team that looked like a <laughs> yeah. college football team. Like you said, it looked like Austin PA against uh, against Alabama last week. So, you know, we need to see Darnold turn it around. And Kaz, on that front, you watch the game tape. Me, from a fan's point of view, from what I saw, I didn't see a lot of creativity on offense. We saw a lot of throws in the line of scrimmage. I'd love to see some more screen passes, maybe try and throw them off with the reverse, try a play action, a throw deep down the field. I know they don't have a lot of talent to do so, but you got to, you know, throw something at this 49ers defense that helped lead them to a Super Bowl uh, last year. Obviously losing to the Chiefs, but we're on the edge of winning in that fourth quarter. Obviously a lot of injuries on that Niners team, but still you're going against one of the elite teams in the NFL and you have to throw something at them. I felt like there was no creativity on offense. It took them forever to get anything going. They were sloppy early on. They got to come out of the gates hot if they want any chance of winning this football game on Sunday. I just think Donald needs to hit open receivers. I don't care if they're five yards off the line of scrimmage or 50. I mean, you look at that first quarter, there was receivers open all over the field and he missed them. You can't sustain an offense like that. Uh, I don't think they can take that many deep shots. Jake, I think Nick Bosa will have Sam planted in the ground if they do that. I think it's got to be a quick strike offense. It's got to be short passes, get the ball out of his hand as quick as possible. Uh, you know, some of the throws at the line of scrimmage, that's that's Sam's read when there's a blitz. It's not called from the, it's not the play isn't called to throw that. It, it's, you know, if he's blitzing, that's the hot receiver. So there's a third and nine and he threw to Chris Hogan for zero yards. I know fans, that's Sam. That's not, you know, that's not the play design. That's Sam seeing a blitz and that's what he's supposed to do is throw out there. Uh, in terms of screens, they never seem to work for the Jets. You know, I, I think they just, they never, ever seem to work. I don't know why they seem when someone always seems to get the guy from behind to me. You know, I just think the Jets need to go out and, and do what they practiced all summer, but execute. I don't really think, I don't think it was a game plan problem Sunday. I thought it was an execution problem. 
problem. There's only so many things you can call an offense and they don't have that speedy. Like I think if you had Mims in, then you could talk about reverses. I don't know who can run reverse on this team. Chris Hogan, you know, I mean, I guess Perriman maybe, but you don't really do that with your, your top receiver. Usually it's more of a secondary guy. Um, I don't think they need to reinvent the wheel. I think they just need to execute better. Yeah. I see what you're saying, but throw something different. I mean, I know what Darnold's, you know, he's doing his job. He's got the check down guy. He's throwing a line of scrimmage. Everyone down the field's contained. But I'd love to see them mix it up and get one kind of big play that could kind of ignite this offense and inspire them. And, you know, one positive, and you wrote about it too, was Makai Becton. And Brian Baldinger does a great job breaking these down with Baldy's breakdowns. And he looked at you know, some of the manhandling he did to defenders. He did to, you know, all pro safety Jordan Poyer. And I'd love to see them throw maybe a screen or some, run the ball heavily to the left side because Becton can take care of business. And I'd love to see them design a game plan that, you know, uses a guy like that and gets the job done. Yeah, well, they did. They did, Jake. They ran a screen behind him. And what he did, uh, it was the player Chris Herndon fumbled. Uh, so what what he did, and he's a young player, he's going to make mistakes. I don't mean this to slam him, but on a screen, you're supposed to stay in, count 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, suck the safety in, and then release. Becton released off the line of scrimmage immediately. So Jordan Poyer was screaming in to try to get Sam because he saw Chris Herndon look like it was going to block. Then he saw Becton coming at him, and he stopped. And if you watch it, Poyer rolls off, and he drills Chris Herndon and causes the fumble. So, you know, it's great to say, oh, yeah, design a play for, they designed a play for Makai back then and he messed it up and it resulted in a fumble that basically that was their last gasp in the game so there's just a lot of details you know that of things that went wrong on Sunday and they just have to clean up those details Beckton has to stay in and sell the screen if they're going to run a screen behind them and not give it up and let Poyer blow up the play like that and Kaz I think having a guy and he's probably not going to play this week now you've talked about you know he was on the side and working with trainers but having a playmaker like Michael Pirine would help in, in terms of even a Tempting a screen because he's a guy who can make plays and get down the field out of the backfield. Do you see any shot of him playing? I know he didn't practice Wednesday, but do you think it's a long shot for Piran to start? I think it's a long shot, and he hasn't practiced now in three weeks. You know, and Jay, I mean, we don't know what he can do. He's never played an NFL game, so like saying he's a playmaker, he's a fourth round pick. He might be, but I, I have no confidence that he is. I, and I think, I think if he plays, he'll have a very small role. He hasn't practiced in a long time. I mean, this is going to be the Frank Gore show Sunday because he's the guy that they have healthy. Um, so, you know, I would think a lot, you'd see a lot of gore and maybe if, if he runs healthy, yeah, maybe they have a player or two in the, in the package for him. But I don't think that's something they can rely on right now. If not, it's going to be Gore, Josh Adams, and then old friend failed his physical, but he's back in Kalen Balage. Did you like uh, them bringing him back? Do you think that's just a depth move until Le'Veon Bell comes back? When I think God it's special teams. It's, I don't think it has anything to do with running back. I think it's all about special teams. You know, they loved him at special special teams in Miami, so I think that's what he's here for. They had some special teams breakdowns on Sunday, letting Andre Roberts gain a lot of the yards. That was kind of, you know, that was kind of a hidden, hidden storyline in this game was Andre Roberts killed them the bills started a field position the average field position for the bills was at their own 40 the average field position for the jets was their own 21 so i think balaj is here for special teams obviously you know they're thin at running back right now so he might have a role now but i don't think he's gonna have a major role going forward and i know you aren't the biggest balal powell guy they didn't, they didn't bring balal powell back you thought there was no chance of that happening yeah i think balal's done i think jets fans need to get over balal powell you know he had a nice run with the jets but like he's 
he's an old man at this point who he looked like, you know, he had lost a lot and he can never stay healthy either, Jake. You know, he'll come in and he'll have a hamstring injury in a second. So, you know, I, I don't think Bilal, like the Bilal, if you're going to compare Bilal and Bilal, so that's a tongue tongue twister. Bilal is going to play special teams. Bilal can't play special teams at this point. So I think that's really what this was about. One final thing on Christopher Johnson's comments before we break down this game and, and make our predictions. He said, you know, he talked about Joe Douglas and talked about Mike McCagnan. And he said, I want to avoid embarrassment from Mike and others, but there's no question that I feel in better hands in terms of putting together a roster with Joe. I have so much confidence in him. Do I wish I had made that change earlier? Absolutely. What were your thoughts when uh, Christopher Johnson said that? I was surprised he said that because Christopher was very careful when they fired McCagnan not to say much about the reasons why and kind of not to not not to insult McCagnan, basically. <laughs> that was pretty insulting today is he just, you know, he feels like, that they're in much better hands with Joe Douglas and he should have fired him earlier. I mean, that's, that's how he feels. I think he's right. You know, I think that's one of Christopher's Christopher's biggest mistakes on the job have been, uh, he waited too long to fire Todd Bowles and he waited too long to fire Mike McCagnan, you know? And I think that's where the jets are. And they are kind of in this purgatory now of where, you know, McCagnan built the 2019 team and then he got fired and then Douglas got hired. So Douglas had this year where he couldn't really do anything. And then Gase was, that was Gase's first year. So he was stuck with a roster he didn't want. And now it's like, this is basically year one of the rebuild. Uh, yet Gase is on year two as a coach and fans are, you know, have no patience for him already. So uh, I think that was a major mistake by Christopher and one he admits, he admits to, but I thought it was pretty strong when he said, you know, we're in much better hands in terms of roster building. Yeah, I mean, that was a complete just dump taken on Mike McCagnan. And listen, <laughs> McCagnan made so many bad moves, and the delayed firing made zero sense. If you're going to do it, do it after the season. He waited so long to make that move, and Jets fans were puzzled by that. And on the progression front, the last thing, and before we move on from Christopher Johnson, this might be the most we'll talk about Christopher Johnson all season on this podcast. He said, I'm going to want to see this team progress Hopefully that won't be too hard from that first game, but I'm looking for real progression over this season. I'm confident that we'll see that. I am not confident that we'll see that. We did not see that in week one. But, Kaz, do you think kind of seeing game tape here early on and, you know, seeing what they messed up on, they didn't, we weren't able to do that with no preseason games. Do you think that does make a big difference, especially for, like, the offensive line and seeing the cohesion issues? Do you think these guys watching game tape will help them improve going into week two? Yeah, a little bit. I think it's more just working together, Jake. I think that's the biggest thing. I think, you know, this this year, teams that are, have been together have a huge advantage. Advantage, you know, and the Bills had basically everyone back from last year. And, you know, Diggs was new, but everyone else was pretty much back from last year. But they had a huge advantage over the Jets and the 49ers are in a similar state, you know, other than the injuries now. But they have a lot of guys back. You know, I think you saw Tom Brady struggle in Tampa because he was in a new system. I think that's hard. And the Jets have all these new offensive linemen. Their receivers were hurt all training camp, so they didn't really work together. So I do think some of this is coming from, you know, inexperience of working together. So I think you'd, you'd, you'd expect them to get better as they work work together as they, the season goes along. And they will need to, and they'll need to do it quick. And that begins Sunday. Let's get into it, Kaz. Jets 49ers, both teams coming off a loss. The Jets a lot more embarrassing. The Niners lost by four to Kyler Murray, who continues to look awesome. And the guy just runs around the field like a madman and does it successfully. And the Niners are just like the Jets, Kaz, coming in with a lot of injuries. Richard Sherman has been placed on IR. He will not play. Debo Samuel, their, one of their top receivers, he is out as well. George Kittle, he's going to be a game-time decision. And if he's out, that is huge for the Jets' defense because they – 
you know, have a lot of trouble up the middle with that front seven. They put no pass rush on Josh Allen, and, you know, they would have a nightmare day trying to contain Kittle. So if he is out, that will be big. We'll we'll monitor that as it gets closer. Brandon Ayuk, the rookie receiver, he is out as well. So it is the walking wounded between the Jets and 49ers, cause The 49ers are seven-point favorites. The over-under right now is around 42-and-a-half. You know, break down this game. What do you what do you see happening, Jets 49ers at MetLife 1 o'clock Sunday? Yeah, I mean, it's hard with the injuries, Jake. And the other thing is, uh, you know, West Coast teams flying east don't always play very well. But the 49ers are clearly a much more talented team than the Jets. And now they're angry because <laughs> they lost week one. I thought when I saw that result, I was like, that's not good for the Jets. You know, maybe they would come in a little complacent. And, you know, if their body clock says it's 10 o'clock and maybe the Jets could catch them. Now I think they're going to be sharper. You know, Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. Um, you know, I think he'll have them ready to play. Nick Bosa is just unbelievable how fast he is. And I mean, that's going to be a huge test for Becton. That's where he plays over the left tackle usually. So Becton has his work cut out for him. Becton has a knee injury that was limited. He was limited on Wednesday in practice. You know, sounds like it's not that serious, but we'll see that Bears watching. I mean, if they lose Becton, forget it. Bosa's going to have six sacks in this game because I, I don't have much faith in the Jets' depth on the offensive line. Um, curious, you know, to see if they can get something going against these backup cornerbacks and actually generate some offense because that, that's the other part of the Bills game. The Bills have a very good defense. Tredavious White basically just took Perriman out of the game. And 49ers with no Sherman don't really have a guy that can do that. So can they get Perriman going? Can they do something there? I'm not sure. You know, I, I think the 49ers are going to win, Jake. I, I haven't decided on a score yet. I was thinking big now that I hear some of these injuries. I'm not so sure. Uh, Jimmy G is a different quarterback than Josh Allen. I think the Jets could have a little more success against him, maybe getting a pass rush. The thing with Josh Allen is you just don't want to run past him because if you do, he's going to be gone if you give him a running lane. I don't think they worry about that quite as much with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the Jets are going to be focused on bouncing back. I think they'll play better. Uh, what that ends up being on the scoreboard, I'm not so sure right now. Yeah, Kaz, I agree. I think the 49ers are going to win this game. And listen, while they have injuries, remember, they still have Jordan Reed. So if Kittle's out, they still have a tight end who, when he is healthy, is a starter for most teams. So he's their number two. And they still have a good backfield with Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, and yeah. Jarek McKinnon. They got a one, two, three punch back there. So again, the Jets have to contain the run. They did that pretty well, besides Josh Allen running wild a little bit. They did fairly yeah. well against the rush, and that is something that Greg Williams has always did well. He did it good last year, but he's got to scheme it up and attack Jimmy G. You gave Allen so much time. He's got to figure out a way to get to the quarterback and force him in a bad throw. Because, like we said, they're at receiver, they're depleted. We're talking about Dante Pettis and Kendrick born being a couple of the receivers if you know much about them if you're not a Niners diehard I give you a lot of credit so they got a lot of injuries too and you know that's the thing that will keep the Jets somewhat in this football game but when it comes down to it I don't think the Jets could have a complete 180 from how bad they were I still think it's going to take some time for this team to come together and for that reason I'm saying 27-16 the Niners win you know I would not touch that over under at 42 and a half by my standards that's going to be the over but I would not touch that but I do think the Niners win and cover because I just think, you know, the Niners are still an NFC championship team. And even with all the injuries, they're better than the Jets straight out with all those injuries. And that's what it comes down to. So it's going to take a lot for the Jets to win this game. And there's no fans to help them or hurt them if they were booing. 
Yeah, I think, Jake, you talk about, like, the receivers of the 49ers. I think the 49ers are looking at the Jets' cornerbacks and going, who are these guys? <laughs> you know, bless Austin, played well on Sunday, but he's still not a household name, obviously. And then on the other side, they benched Pierre Desir. They played Nate Hairston. I think Quincy Wilson is involved. You, you know, he might play or Harrison might play. You know, that that's not a good situation uh, for the Jets defensively. And the other aspect I would watch, Jake, I don't think that, that the 49ers rushing attack will have much success against the Jets. The Jets are very good against the run. Where they might kill the Jets is throwing passes out of the backfield because Mostert had the long one against the Cardinals last week. The Jets are banged up at linebacker with no Cashman. Avery Williamson is still nursing a hamstring. I'm not sure if he's going to play. Alec Ogletree could be the guy. You know, Coming off the practice squad, I could see them signing him off the practice squad and playing him Sunday. Uh, if Mostert gets into space against these linebackers, that's going to be trouble for the Jets. Uh, you know, they're going to have to really guard against that. I, I could already smell a 75 yard screenplay touchdown either most or Coleman McKinnon. That's a good point cause that, you know, those running backs out of the backfield, even as a check down option could have some success against the jets. We'll see what happens. You know, if the jets win, would love a happy recap podcast on Monday, <laughs> but uh, I don't feel too good about it. Uh, is Ray Mickens available out of retirement to play cornerback for the jets? That's the question. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, think we're gonna have a happy recap uh jake i i just it's hard for me to see a way the jets win this game all right well you know a guy who did win some games for the jets and as i say as a beard of zeus he was an all pro center made seven pro bowls took them to afc championships and back-to-back seasons 2009 2010 it's the great nick mangold he joins Kaz and i next right here on gangs all here And joining the show now, he has a beard of Zeus, as I like to say. He played his entire career with the Jets from 2006-2016. He's a seven-time Pro Bowler, a two-time first-team All-Pro, a first-team All-American at Ohio State. It is Nick Mangold. You can follow him on Twitter, at Nick Mangold, and Instagram, at Real Nick Mangold. Nick, welcome to Gangs All Here. The Jets season has begun. We appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you for having me. What an introduction. Just fantastic. I didn't include that your OG barbecue sauce is out now at none other than Costello's Ace Hardware. Uh, we, we did determine that Kaz doesn't actually own the place, which is very unfortunate, <laughs> but we, we are going to need some because it is the season. It is barbecue season here. Uh, even though Labor Day's passed, football is here. I'm going to be on the roof watching games and cooking, so we'll need the barbecue sauce, and we'll also need the shameless plug here, a nice cold Pepsi. Who doesn't love a good soda on a soda pop on a Sunday afternoon? Pepsi announced they're going live in New York campaign. Tell us about it and what you're doing. Uh, yeah, so it was a really cool opportunity. You know, they're taking the opportunity to try to figure out how to keep people excited and engaged during uh, this crazy time. So they're doing giveaways um, and different sweepstakes. And we did a little bit of content to promote it. And um, I can't tell you what's, what's in the content. We're going to leave that as a surprise. But I will say it's probably one of my more outlandish things that I've done in general. And uh, I'm pretty excited about it because uh, I got to see the content and I was laughing and my wife was laughing. However, I don't know if she was laughing at me or with me. So uh, hopefully it's with and uh, everyone will be able to enjoy it. And you could go to madefornyfootballwatching.com for more. And how did the barbecue sauce come out? Mangold 74 OG barbecue sauce. 
Uh, where did that come from? Were you just hungry and feeling some sauce? How did that happen? <laughs> no, that started um, – I started making my own sauce four or five years ago. We had assistant offensive line coach Ron Heller. He's a certified barbecue judge. Got me sucked in the barbecue world and life. And so uh, I decided I could make something better that was out on the store shelves. Uh, I was making it. And then um, after, you know, being done with football and um, trying to find, you know, something to do, a nice little passion project, it just kind of fell in my lap. And so uh, we started the company about a year and a half ago. Our first line of production came out about March 22nd. So just in time for the pandemic. And so it's been, uh, it, it's been a neat process, uh, just learning through everything. But it's also been a lot of fun. We have two sauces out right now, OG and OG Spicy. Um, I'm hoping to get two more out and each one having a uh, representation of each one of my kids. Nick, you could, you know, you could send it to the old beat writers that used to cover you. you there's a few, a few of us are known to eat barbecue in that room. So, you know, we'll, 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 we, <laughs> we'll get a free bottle of barbecue sauce. We'll give you some promotion. Listen, we, uh, we had so we had a huge uh, planning meeting the first week of March of all the fun stuff we were going to do, um, <laughs> all the tailgates, all the stadium stuff. And then two weeks later, the whole world shut down. So um, yeah. it is on its way. Don't you worry. You can still pick all it up right. at Costello's Ace. I'm sure if you show your ID, they will, uh, they'll will they just assume that you're part of the family. Um <laughs> But it's uh, it, it's been it's been neat, and you know we've gotten some great feedback from it. You know I've had a lot of fun just enjoying the process of you know all the little things that go into it. That I you know you walk down the aisles and look at you know the different craft barbecue sauces, and you have no idea what goes into each one, and you know all the different decisions that have to be made just to to get the bottle out there. Let's shift over to the football field, Nick. Uh, the Jets have a a kind of brand new offensive line this season, and. And uh, you were a guy who played on the offensive line and trying to develop cohesion without any preseason games with new guys, guys you haven't played with. How difficult will that be for them trying to, you know, develop that cohesion? Definitely going to be a challenge this year. Um, and it's going to be a, a big onus on the vets to, to push that cohesion um, a lot quicker than usual, you know. We used to um, sit there in uh, the spring, and we'd always have a big cookout uh, with the offensive line getting together. You know, we'd have dinners, lunches. You know, we'd spend a lot of time during training camp together just to build that chemistry off the field, which I think is just as important as the chemistry on the field. And there's going to be a lot of challenges coming in. You know, not having preseason games means you don't have preseason film. So you're going to have guys that you haven't seen since December who have probably spent the last six months working on something new that you'll have no idea about. So it's going to be, I think, not only for the Jets, but for the NFL as a whole, I think these first three weeks are going to be a definite learning curve um, as we get as we settle into the season. Nick, not not a lot is expected of this Jets team this year from the outside. Um, you know, no one's picking them to go to the playoffs, and people are skeptical. I'm just curious for a guy when you're inside the locker room and you're entering a season like that. I remember 2013 with you guys was a year like that um, where they kind of you guys kind of had a major roster overhaul, didn't spend a lot of money in the offseason, and everyone I think people were saying. 0 and 16 that year, if I remember. And I think ESPN picked you guys 32nd and Rex Rex made a big deal about that. What's it like when you're going into a season like that? Do you hear that kind of stuff? Does it bother you? Does it serve as motivation? You know, what's it like when the outsiders are just really skeptical about your season? Yeah, I mean, you definitely hear it. Um, it's impossible not to. But I think what drives uh, NFL players and, you know, some guys use it as a chip on their shoulder. But I think the um, eternal optimism that every year is going to be the year and you know you, you look at people who say well it's not going to be your year like well you didn't see us sweating 
you know, in June trying to get better and trying to get right. So I think every team, if you ever went into a season and had guys thinking, ah, you know, I think we're going 0-16 this year, <laughs> um, you definitely would go 0-16, but you don't really notice it until years later uh, when you look back and like, wow, yeah, we did have a crappy roster that year. Um, we, <laughs> we had no chance. So, you know, it, it takes a little bit of history before you, you fully realize you know, which years uh, you probably had a better chance than others. Yeah. And, and another thing I thought of a team you were on, people have asked me, you know, why would you be optimistic about this team? And I do think there's a, you know, there's a certain personality I, I can already feel with this team of just kind of, um, I think they have a chip on their shoulder from all this. And I just, I also think there's a lot of guys on this team who weren't uh, highly touted uh, and, and they've kind of fought their way through, especially on the line, the guys that they've signed are some guys who've, you know, fifth round draft picks, undrafted guys. But, the, you know, team chemistry can carry a team a long way. And your 2015 team, I thought, was a team that just had amazing chemistry on it, you know, with Fitz that year was kind of just magical. When, when do you kind of sense where, where a team, you know, you were on some teams too, that chemistry wasn't so great. Where, where do you sense that chemistry? Like when can you feel that coming on? Um, I, I think you, you really get a feel for it probably about, you know, in the first quarter of the season, you know, that's when, you know, like guys are having fun, everything I've seen, you know, it's been difficult not being able to watch anything from the Jets other than, you know, what gets reported. But from some of the quotes that I've seen from these guys, it sounds like they are, they seem very unified as a team and they seem very work hard, get the job done and not a, not a ton of um, big profile guys who are like, I, you know, I'm here and uh, I'm the best. It sounds like, you know, there's a bunch of guys that just want to work hard and, and want to win. So, you know, whether or not that's true, I, you know, you only know as much gets reported and gets quoted, but, you know, I, I'm excited to see, you'll know probably by the um, end of the first quarter of the season, what kind of chemistry is, is what the chemistry is like on this team do you feel small when you look at makai becton <laughs> uh when i've seen the pictures i haven't seen him in, in real life um i'm hoping to at some point you know i'll go stand uh, at the fence and watch him as they uh, practice maybe but some of the pictures i've seen the dude just looks massive who was the biggest guy you played with nick anthony clement was really big but that might have been, you know, rookie. Everyone was big with, when I was a rookie. Um, <laughs> Rapati, the D lineman Rapati, right? I can't pronounce his last name. Oh, two, two, yeah, uh, he was a big dude. Yeah. Yeah, he was a big dude too. And Jenkins. Jenkins was immense. You, uh, you had Jenkins. some battles with Chris oh, Jenkins. Man. He yeah. was huge. Yeah. yeah. Jen- Jenkins was thick. Yeah. And he was tall too. But um, I mean, even still, I think uh, Makai puts all these guys to shame. Yeah, he was uh, super thick. T H I C C C C C. Um, you replaced <laughs> Kevin Mawai at center. Did you feel pressure coming on? You know, replacing a Hall of Famer like that. Obviously, you followed him beautifully, uh, but early on, you had some big shoes to fill. Um, yeah, it wasn't really. You know, I don't know if I was just in a rookie haze or if Mangini had just beaten it any like <laughs> personal thoughts out of my head. But, I, you know, it, it never really felt like there was a pressure to replace Kevin. Um, it was more just the, the pressure to play well. And, you know, I, I really appreciate Kevin, not only for what he did on the field, off the field, but, you know, the way that he handled New York and played so well. And, and it gave, I think, Jet fans in that era, you know, a great appreciation for the center. And 
so I kind of came in somewhat with a silver spoon that people, you know, already knew about the center. And, you know, as long as I didn't mess up, I'd be all right. Yeah. Well, I think you did all right, Nick. Um, <laughs> I was actually talking to Connor McGovern, the new center last week, and we were talking about the kind of the, the lineage of Jet centers with you and Kevin and going back, you know, even further with Jim Sweeney and uh, Joe Fields. And they've had a lot of good centers with the Jets. Don't forget Schmitty, John Smith, name is center. John Smith, yep, yep, all the way back. All You're, the way back. My favorite, my favorite story that you tell, uh, and if you could tell it for us, is when you and Brick met at the Combine. And obviously you guys would have a partnership now then for the next decade. But what can you tell that story of your, your first impressions of Brick when you, you saw him at the Combine? Yeah, so we, um, we actually met first at the Senior Bowl. Um, we were on the same team for the Senior Bowl, you know, had a good time there. You know, I think we spent, I think that's what, five or six days together. And so it was pretty cool. And, you know, it, it was everyone, uh, Senior Bowl is such a wild, crazy time because you're in this whole new, this whole new environment where you, you don't know anybody. And it's a whole football team of people you don't know. And so uh, Brick and I, I don't know, somehow kind of navigated to each other. And then, you know, you disappear for another month and a half. And then we show up at the combine and Brick's not doing anything. I mean, he's not doing any of the workouts or anything. You know, he's guaranteed top five pick. And so he, he didn't have to, but he was still there and he was there to do the interviews. And so the interview portion of the evening, you, you know, you walk around those train cars in Indy and I, I turn the corner. I'm, I'm dressed in some ripped jeans and then probably a polo and a hat. Um, and I turn the corner and I kind of run into Brick. It's the first time I've seen him. Oh, Brick, how you doing? And I look and he's in a three-piece suit. And I, I was like, oh, Brick, you really dressed up for this. Like, you know wow he goes well yeah man it's a job interview i was like oh crap i guess it is isn't it? um and so i figured at that point i wasn't getting drafted um because i did not look the part whatsoever that's an incredible story. Um, did you have like a sense of pride being a Jet? Obviously, you signed your you know one day contract, retired a Jet. You spent your whole career there. Did you have a sense of pride, and what was it about the organization that you felt you know so loyal and tied to? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I definitely um, take a lot of pride in being a Jet from the way that the fans uh, embraced me to, you know, the team itself, to the people that work in the building. You know, I had, I did have um, a couple of chances. I could have uh, stolen a couple of checks. Um, hindsight, I probably should have. But, you know, when it came down to it, you know, I, I, I didn't want to go anywhere else. You know, when, when it got real and they were like, well, you know, you, you sign and you go play. I was like, you know, I, I enjoyed being a jet. I enjoyed uh, my time there. You know, we didn't win at all, which was unfortunate. Um, but we did win some games. Uh, we had some bad games, but you know, through it all, I, I enjoyed my time there. I didn't really like how it ended, but can't control those. Can't control everything. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it's, it was one of those things. I took a lot of pride in, in being a New York Jet and being one of the guys that, uh, you know, can truly say, you know, you're forever a Jet. And so that's something, you know, when, when we got the opportunity, it was like, I would like to sign the one-year deal or one-day deal just so that I can retire appropriately, you know, just enjoy being being a Jet. Like, I'm forever associated with the New York Jets, and uh, I like it that way. Yeah, they, the ending, Jake, do you know the ending for Nick? Uh, I don't know the exact story, no. Yeah, they cut him when he was at Disney World. Oh, that's right. I do remember that. Damn. Were, were you on, were you, on a, you know, Magic Coast, whatever the coaster, Rock and Roller Coaster? No, we were in Mexico at Epcot having oh, lunch. Okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all good things come to an end, I guess, Nick. Um, <laughs> I was just curious, wrapping what beard product or what do you use to contain the beard? <laughs> uh, just a brush and a little bit of um, beard wash. 
Um, I don't have a specific one because uh, I can't remember the name, but that's about it. And then, you know, you get it trimmed every once in a while, and that's all you need. Nick Mangold, seven-time Pro Bowler, Jets legend, one of the great centers in Jets history, uh, partnering up with Pepsi's Going Live in New York campaign. You could go to madefornyfootballwatching.com. Plenty of prize drops. We're looking forward to some of the videos. You're always entertaining, Nick, and we appreciate you uh, coming on Gangs All Here. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Need help with your fantasy football rosters this week? We got you covered. It's time for Sam's Fantasy with the post-fantasy football writer, Samantha Praviti. Let's tell you who to start and who to sit in your fantasy leagues for week two. Let's get started at quarterback. Start Matt Ryan against the Cowboys. Matty Ice just might be the new Jameis Winston for fantasy football. 54 passes in Sunday's shootout against the Seahawks. He should have no problem finishing as a top-tier QB1 in this game. Sit Jared Goff against the Eagles. Goff disappointed fantasy managers in a huge way in Week 1 and finished as the 29th best quarterback. Yikes. Until he proves otherwise, he's not a good start in one QB leagues. Moving on to running backs. Start Jonathan Taylor versus the Vikings. The dispute of if or when the Big Ten running back would take over the Colts' backfield was settled after Marlon Mack suffered a season-ending Achilles injury. He's a top-12 play this week against the Minnesota defense that was just torched by Aaron Rodgers. Start J.K. Dobbins against the Texans. Dobbins had a monster two-touchdown game in his rookie debut in the Ravens' blowout against the Browns. Now he's up against the Texans' run D that allowed fellow rookie to run all over them in Week 1. Sit Boston Scott versus the Rams. Scott was a huge week one bust after being touted as a PPR lock with Miles Sanders out and finished with 11 touches for 54 scrimmage yards. It's hard to trust anyone behind an atrocious Eagles line that let Carson Wentz get sacked eight times. Ouch. Sit, DeAndre Swift in Green Bay. Swift has been dealing with a leg injury from training camp and saw the smallest workload of this crowded depth chart that consists of Swift, 35-year-old Adrian Peterson, and Kerryon Johnson. It doesn't help that he dropped what would have been the game-winning touchdown. On to wide receivers, start Emmanuel Sanders against the Raiders. Reigning Offensive Player of the Year Michael Thomas is going to miss multiple weeks with a high ankle sprain. He should see plenty of opportunities to rack up fantasy points opposite the Raiders' D this week. Start Darius Slayton against the Bears. This second-year breakout candidate has undeniable chemistry with Daniel Jones and reeled in six of nine targets for 102 yards and two touchdowns on Monday. He has high upside flex potential as the Giants' number one option. Sit Cortland Sutton against the Steelers. Sutton sat out week one with a shoulder injury. There's a good chance he plays this week, but it's going to be tough going against the Steelers' secondary, which can be lights out. Sit Jamison Crowder against the 49ers. The wideout was probably the lone bright spot in the Jets' dismal season opener and reeled in 115 yards and a touchdown. But it's going to be hard to count on those kinds of numbers week to week, especially against the top-notch Niners defense. And finally, we will end on tight ends. Start Dallas Goddard versus the Rams. It was Goddard, not Zacherts, who finished as the top tight end for fantasy last week. He should be a tight end one against the Rams secondary that's exploitable outside of cornerback Jalen Ramsey. Sit Mike Kosicki versus the Bills. The hype around this third-year tight end has been quelled significantly under Chan Gailey's system that's notorious for not featuring tight ends. This, coupled with Ryan Fitzpatrick looking more Fitz-tragic than Fitz-magic, resulted in a lackluster three catches for 30 yards on Sunday. Ew. And that's all for Sam's Fantasy. You can read my Start Sit articles as well as the rest of fantasy football coverage at nypost.com. 
It's about that time, folks, where the bald-headed, dad-bodded co-host of Gangs All Here dives into the NFL betting lines this week with Brown's Best Bets. Take it away, Jake. Oh, hello, degenerates. Welcome back. If you're new to this, I'll give you my three best bets against the spread this week and then give you my $25 three-leg parlay. Let's start off with my three best bets against the spread. First off, it's the 49ers at MetLife against the Jets. The Niners are seven-point favorites. Listen, the Jets did not look like an NFL team last week. It's going to take a few weeks for this team to compete in a football game, especially with Le'Veon Bell and Denzel Mims out. Sam Darnold's in a lot of trouble. Despite the 49ers also dealing with injuries, they're just far better than the Jets. They should win this game in East Rutherford by double digits. The Jets are 1-6 against the spread in the last seven September games. Hammer the 49ers as seven-point favorites. Next up, the Bills are six-point favorites at the Miami Dolphins. Listen, the Dolphins are a team in transition right now. They're just waiting for the moment to insert to a T at quarterback. Ryan Fitztragic is coming off a three-interception game against the Patriots, while Josh Allen, he's coming off his best career game against the Jets. The Bills are the far superior team as they take their talents to South Beach. They should beat down the Dolphins by at least seven points and probably double digits. Lock in the Bills minus six in Miami. And finally, for my third of my three best bets against the spread, take the Jaguars as nine-point underdogs at the Titans. The Titans did nothing in Denver to make you believe they will coast past the Jags. It took a field goal from Steven Gost, help me, in the final minute after he missed three of them to squeak past a below-average Broncos team. Meanwhile, the Jags are coming off a win over a better team in the Colts. The Titans should be able to get past these Jags, but not by more than a touchdown. So lock in Mustache Minshew to cover the plus nine. All right, all right, all right. It's time to inject a parlay straight into my veins. I'll mix game spreads with over-unders in my three-leg parlay. Bet $25 and you'll come up with somewhere around $125 to take your loved one to a nice outdoor steak dinner. Or feed yourself if you're a fat ass like me. Get yourself a nice bottle of wine to go with it. Let's start this parlay off with an over because parlays and over get injected into my veins like a flu shot. I like the Panthers-Bucks game in Tampa to hit over 47 and a half. Listen, the Panthers just dropped 30 points in their opener. The Bucks dropped 23 in New Orleans and Tom Brady didn't even play well in his debut. I see this game being a shootout with both teams potentially getting in the 30s. Pretend you're Thor. Drop the hammer on the over 47 and a half. Second leg of the parlay, it's another over. Take the over 42 as the Giants head to shy down to take on the Bears. Mitchell Trubisky just had a fourth quarter touchdown parade in a 27-23 win over the Lions. The Giants' defense is not very good, and the Bears' defense is not what it used to be. 42 just seems too low for these two teams. I see them getting closer to 50. Hammer that over like your Tim Allen and home improvement. Last but not least, the final part of your three-team parlay. Take the Chiefs as eight-and-a-half-point favorites in Los Angeles against the Chargers. The Chiefs won by two touchdowns over the Texans. There's no way they don't do something similar against Tyrod Taylor and the Chargers. These are the same Chargers that only scored 16 points against the lowly Bengals and squeaked by because of a missed field goal by Bullock. 
The defending Super Bowl champs win this one with ease, locking the Chiefs as eight and a half point favorites in Cali. Boom! That's a parlay winner for you. When you cash out this week after you stuff your face with lobster and steak and booze, send your boy JB a bottle of the finest rosé. Let's sip on the good stuff together. Enjoy week two, degenerates. That'll end episode 35, the BJ Ask You edition of Gangs All Here, our New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Alex Camerata for helping me out and producing the show. Subscribe to Gangs All Here wherever you get your podcasts. But if you do use Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write in a nice review. For Brian Costello, I'm Jake Brown. We return on Monday, breaking down the Jets 49ers game. Enjoy the game, folks. Talk to you all Monday. As always, stay safe.